Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Grayscale Gorilla podcast. We are here hanging out. As always, we have Chad Ashley. What is up? Hey, what's up, everybody? And of course, Chris Schmidt. What's going on? Good to see you, man. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Real quick announcement. If you haven't listened to last week's podcast, we got so much great feedback. And uh, in fact, I wanted to share with you um, a comment we got. And uh, if you guys haven't seen this, this is a really nice comment we got from uh, Anonymous, actually. <laughs> they wanted to leave uh, They wanted to leave it anonymous, but they said, hey, guys, sometimes you make a silly podcast. So thank you for that, first of all. But you don't know how much you affect someone's life. On Monday, I was offered a new position at a huge company where I'm working. I was stressed all day about pushing back and asking for more money. Normally, I listen to you guys in the morning, but I was so stressed out that I didn't get to the podcast till the afternoon. When it came up on the site, I felt really crazy that that issue I was facing that day, you guys offered advice on it. I really appreciated the advice that came from Chad, a person who's been on both sides of the hiring spectrum. The advice was golden. I got the courage to push back on the employer with a counter offer and they immediately accepted awesome work that's amazing i said that he didn't say that back that's to him. awesome i didn't yeah, see that. You, back to him you guys uh think you make tutorials and tools but what you really do is touch people's lives bank accounts by offering tools we use to make money and futures that's amazing he said uh, he's gonna remain anonymous but uh he was also hanging out at neb so uh that was awesome we love hearing like we always mention, we love hearing success comments from from you guys that are working in the industry and becoming happier and becoming more successful. And and if we could be a small part of that, that's so awesome. So I want to share. Uh, that's because uh, I just I love hearing that stuff. Dude, that's great. I didn't catch that one. Where was that posted? It was on our blog. And oh. uh, real quick, if you guys are listening out there, you want to uh, have anything to say about any one of our podcasts, we're always looking and reading uh, either on our blog on YouTube or also on iTunes directly. So if you have any feedback there, you could leave us a comment, review, all that stuff. But uh, but anyway, let's um, let's get into today. What's what's been going on? We got some uh, some news on the site. Let's oh, oh, let me get the biggest news out of the way, and then we'll start to uh, talk about some render wars as well that we have coming up, and then the main topic. The big news is that tomorrow, if you're listening to this on a Monday. May 23rd, we're having our 24-hour sale. Everything in the store is going to be 25% off. This includes all of our plugins, packs, texture packs, LUTs, tr and also training and X particles. So if you go to the store site or our plugins um, and see anything there, it's all going to be 25% off uh, tomorrow. That's May 23rd. Uh, so we have 23, 24, 25. That's how you could remember this. May 23rd. 24 hours only, and it's going to be 25% off. See what oh, it did nice. there? That was mm -hmm. good, right? That was real good. Right in a row. So anyway, uh, please go check that out. If you guys have been looking at our products, if you've been looking at our uh, at and hearing about through the podcast, Grayscale Gorilla Connect, um, you know, tomorrow will be a good way to join that as well. All of our customers get an invite to Grayscale Gorilla Connect, which is our internal Slack page where we all hang out and try to answer each other's questions and all that. So, um, Anyway, just wanted to give that news out there for those of you listening and they're like, holy crap, the sale's happening. I got to go go check that out. But um, what else has been going on this week? Well, yeah, prepping for the sale. Um, all the streaming that we're going to be doing tomorrow. Oh, yeah, that's oh, important to mention. That? Yeah, so tomorrow we're going to, uh, as we sometimes do when we have sales, we try to stream and, and show you our favorite parts of the product. So look for that. If you're not um, subscribed to our YouTube channel, get over there and subscribe and then you'll get notified when we go live. Uh, and then you can check it out, check us out. Uh, we're going to be showing some of our stuff, our favorite stuff and some new stuff that's going to be coming out soon. So you'll get a little sneak preview, hopefully uh, of some cool features for some products. Three hours of live streaming tomorrow. Yes. So in between filling your shopping cart, you can head over and uh, watch us. Uh, use use tools to make cool stuff. It's all going to be on YouTube, and I think it's starting at 1 p.m. Central. Is that right? Yeah, somewhere in there. You, if you if you subscribe, um, you'll get notified uh, as the events get created, and it'll also notify you like when we actually go live, which is nice. And then if you're on GSG Connect, 
which is our customer Slack, which uh, Nick just talked about, then we'll put notifications up there as well to let people know that we're we're live. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah, um, yeah. Putting it in the show notes, uh, which, by the way, we always talk about links to all this stuff. And uh, if you hear it in the podcast, hopefully we'll remember to add a show note to it. And those could be found on our podcast. Uh, blog and also if you're watching on youtube just look down below and hopefully all the links will be there i'm adding some right now link it up link it, link up, it son. up i might i may have had too much uh may have had too much coffee today i know i kind of feel the same way i glad you intro then <clears throat> that's right high energy folks energy. i'm hoping my cold is almost gone i feel like i still sound a bit nasal but it's almost almost gone you sound just the right amount of nasal. Yeah, yeah. Just they they do that. It's it's really the Midwest nasally thing. It's it doesn't have a lot to do with the dialect. It's just the allergies. <laughs> That's <laughs> probably, probably true. That's why we all talk like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, let's see. We got uh, any Render Wars updates today in Render Wars? Um, not a whole lot moving along. Uh, we've got. A new update, a new cycles update that just came out. Looks like they added some pretty cool stuff. You should go check that out. Um, let's see what else. Uh, nothing much in the Arnold front. Arnold 5 is still rocking. Um, still learning about some of the new stuff going on in there. Light path expressions and all kinds of craziness. Uh, let's see what else. Yeah, uh, not, a, not a ton. Redshift Alpha is cranking along. I believe it's still open for those of you looking to check that out. Uh, they did just release an update to that that is pretty awesome. Uh, so if you want to get on that Alpha, head over to their forum and see if you can join. Um, yeah, pretty much it. Not not a ton. Hmm. No casualties. No casualties. <laughs> Nothing too crazy. Nobody no. else joined the war. Uh, you know, you know, probably have. I just that the render wars are happening exactly 100 years after World War One. I. I think there's some parallels to be drawn here. <laughs> wow. Who's going to, yeah, who's going to be the Axis and uh, who's going to be the Allies? That's what I want to know. You're saying there's going to be good and bad guys in the render wars? I don't know. There could be. I mean, yeah, I have World my War I wasn't as big on the bad and good guys. But I'm not about to compare anybody to, <laughs> to those, <laughs> those <laughs> analogy. I don't want to be sued. Yeah, that's true. You could probably like link them up to certain parallels. You yeah. can make one of them Switzerland. I don't think anyone would be offended by being Switzerland. I guess that might be physical then. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe even standard. It's just sitting off to the side, not yeah, bothering anybody. Chilling, just chilling out, waiting for the dust to settle. Pick up the yeah, scraps. And, and by the way, if you haven't taken Chad's uh, quiz, that's still up and running, right? Oh, is it? I don't know. <laughs> I guess it probably is. Head on over to the blog. You could search. You could take our "What Renderer Should You Be Using?" quiz, which has been uh, pretty fun to see the results for all that stuff. Yeah, that was fun. I got to do another one of those. I'm I'm huge into polls. I, I don't know why, but they're fun to me. And I've been running them a few a few polls on our uh, on our customer Slack, and they've been kind of fun ways to see what people are doing and how they're doing it. Mm, very cool. Well, uh, not a ton of feedback, or not a ton of follow-up, I guess I should say. We got uh, all the feedback from uh, the comments and everything else, so maybe we could uh, roll right into today's main topic, which, uh, I don't know, how do we how do we start to frame um, this one? Do you want to take a roll at it, Chad? Do you want me to, Chris, anybody? Dylan? I'll take a shot. I'll take a shot. So, one of the... How do I set this up, I guess? Um, so we get asked a lot of questions, and that's just the nature of what we do. And that that happens all the time for us. And it's something that you get used to and something that you sometimes find fun and satisfying and entertaining even. Um, but one of the uh, things that I've noticed, and maybe it's just me or maybe I don't think it is just me. I think it's just a, a, a phenomenon that I'm noticing happening over the years is people, um, because of the instant gratification and the instant connection they have with people by either 
chatting with them on Twitter or Instagram or however it is that you're you're chatting with people that even you don't really know personally, that instant feedback and and talking to someone has made people uh, a little bit. Uh, how do I say this nicely? <laughs> um, some people would rather ask a question to someone than look it up or figure it out on their own. So I thought it would be a cool idea to talk about this idea of like, how do you get your information? How do you learn? How do you uh, navigate a problem that maybe you don't have the answer to? It, should your immediate go-to be to chime in on some social platform and say, hey, do what I need and tell me how this works? Or should it be to actually take the time and research it, Google it, you know, look at a manual, read a bit about what you're doing before you jump in? And I personally think that, um, and and I I'm, I run a um, a couple different slacks for different renderers, and it, it's always like it's funny to me. Somebody will ask a question, and almost always the person following it up will say, "Well, did you read the manual? Did you like?" actually read how they want you to do that and they're like oh no i didn't do that and it's like ah that bugs me when people don't read the manual and i guess maybe because i came from a time in which there was no instant gratification no instant feedback no ability to like if the person you needed the answer from wasn't in the room with you you weren't going to get the answer unless you hunted it down um so that's what i wanted to talk about i want to talk about uh how you guys do i mean we all started in a time when that wasn't really a thing you didn't have a slack you didn't have like a instagram or whatever to ask a, a very direct question you had to go figure it out and so i think it's important uh for, for us to talk about that and and when it's okay when should you raise your hand as opposed to going off and finding the answer yourself yeah i'm i think that's um that's important, right? It's, it's almost it's almost like you're asking, how do you learn how to learn, um, so that when you're stuck, you could, you could find your way through it without necessarily having a specific video or a specific person showing you exactly how it's done, because that's going to get more and more difficult, especially as you grow your skills. Early on, you could ask a question like, how do you um, add dynamics in Cinema 4D, and there's quite a lot of places places that could teach you that. Um, as you grow, though, as you become an artist and do things that haven't been made in the past, more and more you're going to do things that have never been done before, and therefore will be harder to find the right answer, right? Because what you might be making, <clears throat> if you're working at a big agency or working with a big client, is an idea is they're going to have an idea, hopefully, that is a little bit unique. And now you have to figure out, okay, not just how to add dynamics to, you know, uh, a cloner object, but how to do it and make it you, you, unique to your, to your customer. And those questions, you literally, you can't ask them. You can't go ask Google how to do work for your client. So in so many ways, you have to start to learn how to learn and also learn how to problem solve. So, um, I think you're, I think this is a, an interesting topic to, to go down. Um, I'll, I'll say one thing right off the bat is I think one important thing to do is to learn how people think and not just how they do something. So what I would, what I would stress is when, when you go learn from somebody, whether it's a tutorial or ask a question, don't ask a question that could be Googleable and don't ask a question that's in the manual um, because they're not going to be as helpful right? If, if, you sh if you don't show that upfront work. But if you come to them with either a very specific question or ask them how they think through a problem, you're going to get a much more clear answer. So if you say instead, hey, um, when you get stuck in um, when using Arnold, how do you, where do you go to look for the answer? Wow, that's like a really good question to ask somebody because that, the answer to that question can serve you over years. Um, how do you do X in X and X and show me this specific thing is a bad question because that only shows you one little piece of something. And, and as soon as you don't do that, it, that the exact way you're going to, um, it's not going to be useful to you anymore. Right. What's so that, that saying about the, um, teach a man, the fish. That's it. What is, how does that go again? Uh, what is it? Teach a man or you're like, give a man a fish, feed him for a day, teach a man to fish, 
feed them for a lifetime. Yes, that is exactly what we're talking about, I think. And and that's, you, you nailed it in terms of don't ask the questions that are only going to feed you for the day. Ask the questions that are going to feed you for a lifetime. Now, that sounds really dramatic and kind of lame, but it's actually really true because you can ask me, like if somebody will ask me like a very specific question that um, that is very easily searchable, either through Google or the manual or whatever, then it's it's just like I, I'm just, I'm not going to answer just because it's not, it, it's, it's, it's laziness to me. And, and, and you're not going to learn, I'm not helping you learn anything. I'm just giving, I'm, I'm letting you cheat, you know, and really you have to, like you said, if you really want to learn something, like you're trying to figure out a way to make, uh, I don't know, give me, give me an example here. Um, a car commercial or something like a really vague question. Like how do I make a car commercial? That's not what, like, how do we even, how do that's you barely a question? It's yeah, like, technically how, a question, it, but it's like, not really I a don't question. understand. So that's not a good question, but like saying something like, well, where do I start when, if I need to rig a car for animation, where should I start looking for instructions on how to do that? And that's a heck of a lot. That's going to, that's going to make me want to answer you more than if I, if a question is asked that's going to require like 35 minutes of me writing out some detailed list of what to do and how to do it. Like that's just, I'm just, people aren't going to do that unless you have a lot of time. Um, but if you say something like that, like, Hey, what are some good resources that I should be aware of to help me learn this, this task? That's real easy. Okay, cool, man. Yeah. Just check out the manual, read this section, maybe go. Uh, I know I saw this person did some cool videos, go check out their stuff. Um, yeah, and I get that a lot for like Redshift because like there's very few. Well, Redshift's still in alpha right now, so that you can't. I I can't do a tutorial for Redshift because I'd be breaking my my beta uh, license agreement. So people are asking me like, I want to learn it. I want to learn it. Well, actually, there's what I always tell them is like, just go to YouTube and look at Redshift for Maya. It's the same Redshift. It's the same Redshift <laughs> in Maya. Same Redshift in Houdini. So it's one of those things where. I didn't, nobody told me, nobody came over to me and said, hey, um, hey, Chad, like, if you want to learn Redshift, you should actually go check out, you know, Redshift and other programs. I just deducted myself that, hey, Redshift already exists in Houdini and Maya. I wonder if it's a lot of the same stuff. I'm going to go check it out. And so that kind of like, just start thinking about things that way. Start, start problem solving in your head before before you um, kind of jump in and, and start, you know, raising your hand, I think you'll you'll find that your problem solving skills will get better, and you'll be able to start answering a lot more of your own questions if you just start to develop skills like that. Like it's almost like sleuthing in a bit, where you're like, hmm, you know, like I know Redshift was around for a while. I want I'm going to go look at it and see if I see any like things that would be the same in cinema as it is, let's say, in Maya. And it turns out it is pretty much the exact same features, exact same buttons. So I tell people, yeah, go on to YouTube and look at all their videos and people that have put out videos for Redshift and Maya, and you will see what it does and how it works. For me, uh, there's two sides here, and I guess part of it is a follow-up question. But uh, a big thing for me, asking, going and asking kind of the professionals and jumping into Slack or some, an email or anything where you're contacting a person directly. Uh, one big area where I do that, where it's like some new category of thing that I just don't know enough about to ask the right question. And if you can have somebody that you trust to answer that type of thing, where you can be like, listen, I am starting to look into like L trees in programming in Python. Like, can you recommend a book or, or like, actually, no, that, that's not even the proper thing. It's more like, Hey, I want to do, I want to write some sort of algorithm where it's going to iterate and feedback on itself and do it. It's like, I don't even know what that's called. What do you call that? When you, when you know so little, you can't even ask the right questions. A, a professional that you can explain your situation to can point you down the right road. So you can actually start doing your own research. 
So that can be really useful. And when it comes to people asking me questions directly, which often happens on like Twitter and some of the you know slacks and all that, uh, I really like the type of questions, the ones you're likely to get an answer for me are uh, the type of question that I'm suddenly intrigued by, where it's a kind of a complicated, challenging question uh, where like there isn't necessarily one answer. There might be 50 different answers, but you're not going to find that answer in the manual. It's going to be some complicated rig. And now I want to know the answer to it, and I'm going to go figure it out and then send you a scene file or something. So the, uh, the type of questions I love answering on AskGSG, really, where it's like, whoa, here's a new technique I never thought about, and we can combine all these cool things. So those are my favorite types of questions. But what I want to kind of interject here, and this is maybe where some of the problem comes in, is uh, you guys keep saying this in the context of if you want to learn how to do this. But I presume that when people ask questions that are probably the, the type of questions that are like, it's in the manual, or like that's obviously here, or we did a whole tutorial on that, we talked about it last week, like go watch that. These are probably questions in a category that they're not particularly interested in. This may, uh, when I had my uh, full time, or when I did, uh, when I was doing other production work, there was a full time IT person, and the printer would break down. Now I can go and figure out how to fix the printer. Like I'm sure it's just a quick Google away, and maybe you just swap out the paper, you do this other thing, uh, or maybe there's something s simple broken with the computer, or the email system's not quite working, and there's probably one checkbox you need to fix. But is it worth your time to figure that out? Or do you call the person whose job that is? Or, you know, the IT person or even your IT buddy. Like, hey, like my printer in my home isn't working. I have an IT buddy. Uh, and he's hang he's coming over for dinner tomorrow. Like, I'll just wait until he's there and ask him. And, and so this goes maybe more into the context of of maybe I should always be trying to learn that stuff. But, like, I don't have enough maybe room in my head or just enough attention span to uh, tackle all these little questions you're going to hit throughout the day. So I'm just going to kind of like ask an expert and then they can tell me that one type of export, like they're going to tell me what type of file I should export to get it from this program to this program. And I'm done because I don't want to learn this necessarily. It's a side problem I have to solve right now this one time. So is it worth putting in that extra effort to do that? And how tangential does it have to get? And how layman do you have to be? And how much easy access to an expert do you have to be until you know you cross that threshold where it is justified to go and ask that question? Yeah, I mean, I, I see where you're going with that. I think we have to assume that anybody listening here is that's going to listen to an hour-long podcast of us talking about Cinema 4D and 3D and design and learning stuff is generally interested, right? Like, I think we have to just assume our audience at a certain point um, if you literally are just doing this because you need to get the job done, um, you know, YouTube comments just aren't the best place to ask anyway, right? Like that, we could just kind of solve that problem there. But, well, but or, or, or am I or am I missing like a more subtle part of this? Because well, let me let me not... be specific. They're uh, they're doing 3D. They love Cinema 4D, but they have a client who's sending them files from Maya. And they want to know what the best format is for that. And maybe there's a bunch of research you can do. You go find a format or go onto a forum and find what somebody said. Or you can jump in and ask. And that, that actually comes to mind because I feel like I never leave Cinema 4D. Like for the most part, like if I'm doing 3D, I'm in Cinema. So I don't export anything to other software. And I don't really import things from other software. So it, all the time I get import export questions. And I just cannot answer them. But I see a lot of these questions. And that's where I feel like that's more on the margin where like, do you really need to become an expert in import export file formats? Uh, or uh, you might you just ask somebody and they can give you that quick answer. And now that's done. And maybe a year or two from now that question comes up again. But like, how much time would you have to Im go in and learn that before it becomes well, if it's, if it's part of something that you're, well, to get more of like higher level, I, I, I think that you always start, like, let's just break it. I'll break down my process and like it might may or may not um, relate to other people out there, but hopefully it will. So for me, I'm in, I'm, let's say I'm in cinema and I have, I don't know how something works and I want to know how it works. Number one thing I do, open the manual, read about it, see how they intended it to be used, how it's supposed to work, what it's called, what it, how, what is it doing? If that doesn't give me the answer that I'm after, at least I then have a deeper understanding of what it is that I'm looking for. I recommend finding 
a couple of professional friends that you networked with or that you're close with that are hopefully uh, experts in whatever area you're not an expert in and l- kind of, you know, foster those relationships uh, and, and have your go-to people that you can ask these types of questions to. Uh, and hopefully you're in turn offering them some sort of information that maybe they don't know or maybe need help with, or maybe it's a more of a mentor mentee kind of relationship, but have that go-to person that you can quickly say, Hey, uh, never did this before. What do you think? And always, you know, this gets back to the whole relationship thing. Obviously you don't want to be a pain in the ass to them. You don't want to be a squeaky wheel. You want to, you know, it, it should be like a professional give and take relationship. Uh, if that doesn't work, then go into more of like a public forum where maybe you ask on a Slack channel or an email list or a forum. And then only as a last result, should you open, you know, like raise your hand to the world where you have no idea the quality of response and what that's going to be. They might tell you 20 different ways. That's why it's really important to kind of start local and then kind of work your way globally uh, to find your answer. At least that's how I do it. Yeah, maybe you know. I want to. I want to draw a couple distinctions here. One is, um, you know, one of the first things you could do is not not only just learn local, but also learn on your own, right? Like the that that's why mo- many of our tutorials exist in the world, right? It, it's so that one day when the right person types in the right keyword phrase into Google, we pop up and we can answer that question directly. And we try to do that as many times as we have time to do really over, you know, four, 500 hours of free training over the last eight, nine years, you could go type into Google or YouTube and hopefully get an answer. And now there's dozens of other places to teach you this stuff too, right? Um, you know, so the, to me, one of the first things you could do is go, and I think you said this in a general way too, go figure out if this question has been answered somewhere that you could find it easily. Um, so that that's usually the first thing. And this is frankly how I learn. This is how I learn stuff. If I'm interested in something, I'm all over the Wikipedia page. I'm all over whatever five sites that I could find that I think have good teachers. Um, that's why we do uh, training that we do. We want to put good teachers in front of you so that when you find our stuff, you go, wow, these, these guys hopefully know what they're doing. They're going to show me how to make it pretty, all that stuff. Um, so I try to find people that I connect with online through YouTube. Uh, and what I mean by connect with is just physically, like I like their, their style. I like the way they talk. I like their site. I like their, their, their style in general. So I'll find those kind of people and, and kind of make those my accidental mentors. Um, even though they don't know who I am, I'm going to surround myself with with them. And in many ways, that's probably how you met Grayscale Gorilla in the first place was searching for something or a friend recommended us. And now we're here to kind of get you up and running. But I think we're all mostly talking about that point where you're getting to a point where in your career where that falls apart. Googling it falls apart because you're you're asking more advanced questions or you're asking questions that, you know, let's, you're asking questions that are unique to you or your circumstance, or you might not even have the language to even, to, to even understand the question that you're asking. So what do you do then? Well, then I think, and I think we've all talked a little bit about this, then it's ultimately a, a, a person, it's a relationship that you need to build. This is why I always talk about getting in the room with other people that do this for a living, because the relationships that you have in Chris's example allow you to say, hey, I'm going to ask you my technical printer questions because you're good at that. And you can ask me Cinema 4D questions because I'm good at that. Mm. And we're going to have a relationship here. And it doesn't have to be spelled out on paper like that. But <laughs> you, you, you have an understanding of, hey, I know, I know people that are more financially savvy that I could go ask questions to about, you know, retirement or whatever, right? I have friends that are more uh, technically savvy that I know if I bought a PC, not to go down this route, that I would have a relationship where I could know zero about it. I could reach out and ask the dumbest question I can, but I know that I've also provided value to them in our relationship, that they would go out of their way probably to give me the exact computer that I that I need. And I only have that because I've provided value in the first place to them. And yeah, so, you're making me you're making me think of a, a quote I like, which is that which can be like proposed without evidence can be dismissed without evidence. Like any question 
that has no effort put into it doesn't get any effort put to answering it. Mm. So if you put a lot of effort to your question, then you get effort in the answer. Mm. That's that's a really um, I haven't heard that specific phrase, but I think that's a really good. It's a smart way to think of that, which is the the quality of question will define the quality of answer. Yeah, I love that. So if you're just going to jump onto a YouTube comment or or someone's Twitter feed and just be like blah blah blah. Like, it's like, well, like, first of all, who are you? Second of all, like, why are you like sounding like you're demanding this? You just threw this out. You gave me no context. Like, this isn't worth answering. But it's like, oh, wait, like this person communicates and we go back and forth. Or this is a very well thought out question. And they put a link to a thing. It's like, I, I kind of want to do this, but I'm thinking more like this. Like, oh, they put some effort. They're thinking about this. It's not a throwaway question. So mm -hmm. it's worth answering. Throwaway questions, like, yeah. You throw away the answers. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that statement. I think that uh, even I think you, you just have to internally ask yourself before you jump in and start asking a bunch of questions, either it's whether it's on what no matter what it's on Slack or Facebook or whatever. I think you don't want people to dismiss you immediately uh, as someone who's just asking a question for a quick answer. I, you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't do the research and try to answer the question yourself first. Uh, your first stop should not be um, going from problem to sticking your hand, you know, raising your hand in a in a, um, a social platform of some kind. Google it. Look at the manual. Do the do the work. Uh, if you do the work and you still haven't found the answer, then you raise your hand. You'll get a lot more uh, people willing to help you out. It, it, because they'll know that you, you, well, I've already tried that and this didn't work. Or I researched it this way and I found that that's not really what I need. Uh, but if people think that you haven't even looked at it in terms of the manual or Googling it or going to YouTube and searching it, then you're not, you're not really likely to get much help uh, because people just know that, well, you didn't even bother trying to research it on your own. I'm not going to take the time and uh, solve this for you. Uh, again, it goes back to, um, that saying, the the fish saying, and it, <laughs> it it's tr it's so true. Like it's like, oh man, like I answer a lot of questions, and and I love answering questions that help people, that truly help people. And I feel like the people that are you know so quick to just not look at the manual and just like quickly ask a question randomly on some social platform. I'm never going to answer those people. Or if I am, it's going to be a snarky answer that I'm going to regret <laughs> immediately after I write it. The tweet uh, you immediately delete. Yeah, exactly. And just because you're not going to get, you, you, I, I'm not going to help you if you do, if I don't even think that you're helping yourself. If I don't even think that you have the drive to to research it yourself or look at it yourself or go through the, the, the steps of, of solving it yourself. And that's just like, how I grew up, you know, like, and if you watch my half res, um, I encourage you to watch my half res presentation from last year. And I kind of break down the history of how I began in this industry and how different it was back then and how harder it, how much harder it was to be a 3d artist in that time, uh, compared to how it is now that, it's hard for me to not sound like the, uh, you know, get off my yard. Yeah. Like wagging my finger, you know, kind Back of in my day and my day we rendered uphill both ways. And, um, <laughs> there's the title. Yeah. Uh, but it really like, I, I do have <laughs> some of those feelings are gonna like that. That happens. I'm like, dude, nobody showed me how to, how to do that. Like I was literally that I was, I was a one man 3d department at a post house in Chicago and had no idea what type of job was going to fall in my plate. I was going to have to figure out how to do it. Well, well uh, let me let me add something as we as we get to this. In many ways, our job is to teach you, right? Like, so let's let's clarify. In many ways, you know, w the way we think of what Grayscale Gorilla is is a community of people, and we're all helping each other um, get to our best goal either through training or through tutorials or products or plugins or whatever, all the, everything, everything's focused on helping you get your best work done. 
no matter if you're just starting, we have Intro to Cinema 4D, we have all the free tutorials. And if you're starting to work in the industry, we have plugins, we have more advanced training. All this is to say is in, in many ways, we are here to answer your questions. But what I, what I think this conversation um, is getting, is, is trying to get to the point of is how do you ask a good question when you have a question? And how do you think of this, not just for Grayscale Gorilla, but for all things that you're learning? How can you set up relationships and, and be able to ask good questions so that you could go become a self-motivated learner? And to me, I credit becoming a self-motivated learner, understanding how I can answer my own questions by reaching out to the right people or by reading the right books or by surrounding and submerging myself in the culture as much as possible. Those dividends paid off in, in so many parts of my life, not just Cinema 4D, but also After Effects, but also business, but also design, um, music, like so many parts of my life, um, I've learned by asking the right questions to the right people and not and knowing the difference between a good and a bad question. So I think if we could frame it in that way, what we can really understand is how do we all take the connections we have, the passion we have, and get the most out of asking questions. Um, so I don't know if that no, is that a, makes sense. I, I I think what I think what you're what I hear when you when you say that is, and I think back to when you started GSG, the whole reason that you were kind of doing what you were doing is that is because there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of stuff out there, and you documented your entire process, your entire learning process. Everybody got to like that's that's what I think was, was so unique and great about it is like they were watching you figure it out. And I think that uh, that was really interesting and cool. And I think, I think at the very early beginnings of GSG, you were almost teaching people how to learn as much as you were teaching people how to make stuff in, in Cinema 4D. And I think that that's a really important skill that I think still needs to be addressed and still needs to be taught is like how... To, how do you learn? How do you problem solve on your own? Because when you're, there's going to come a time if you start to do this professionally that you're going to, that there's not going to be an answer for the exact, like what you said earlier, for the exact same thing that you need. So the skills that you build up in, in terms of problem solving and self-motivated uh, learning and self-motivated uh, uh, concept work and things like that. These are all things that you need to start building up now because someday a client's going to plop a brief on your desk and you're, you're not going to have anybody to turn to, or maybe it's never been done before, like you said. So I think it's, it's, it's really interesting. I, th I feel like maybe somewhere in the very beginnings of GSG, there was a lot of that going on because you were teaching people how to problem solve because they were watching you problem solve. And now I think it's different because there's so many different ways of communicating and getting answers and quick, quick fix uh, solutions. Tens of thousands of hours of tutorials. Yeah, exactly. So it's almost like we've created the problem. No, it, it's it's. I would I would say it's not a problem. I I say that the community is the is the important part. At least to me, that's how I view it. So now we we've because we started off that way and because there's new people coming in all the time, we have a community of people that are mostly um, self-learners. They're here to watch and learn and mostly ask good questions. I think what we're trying to get to the point of is how do you ask, how do you ask better questions so that uh, you can progress your career faster? Um, and also just understand that that relationships are a part of this. People are at the end of every question that you ask. And if you can figure out, well, here, this might be too inside baseball, Chad, but it, early in my Cinema 40 career, I asked you direct questions about my work and why it, it I thought it didn't look the way it was, or I would just say, hey, can you critique this? Mm -hmm. And so what, and, and I only bring this up in, in a way to say, I, I encourage everybody to go find their their Chad Ashley, right? Um, Chad Ashley can't be a Chad Ashley for everybody in the way that he is. To... I can for a price. <laughs> but it's it's going to be hard to add. I think that's the point of it is it's, it's always hard to answer every question so that how can everybody start to find their own 
um, unique person that can kind of hold their hand through this stuff. And so what was it about the question that I asked you or the relationship that we had that, that prompted you to actually reach out and help me? I think I really liked your work and I thought you were a really nice guy and I am drawn to people that like that. You know, I'm drawn to talented, nice people. And when I find people like that throughout my life, I try to stay as connected to them as I possibly can. And um, uh, I also saw a ton of potential in your 3D skills early on. Uh, you're doing a lot of After Effects when we first met. And it was just a lot of fun to watch you progress. And it was inspiring for me. What I got out of it was that it inspired me to see somebody like you going from uh, more of a 2D workflow to a 3D workflow. And your approach to it was so unique to me because I wasn't using cinema that I was also learning through you how cinema did the things that I was doing in 3ds max. So it, and I can't, I, I mean, absolutely agree with you. Relationships, 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 find people that you can connect with, earn their trust, earn their uh, respect and, and really keep them going, keep those relationships going under, understand that it's gotta be a two way street. You can't just be constantly asking them questions without, you know, buying them a drink or doing something. But um, yeah, I, I agree with you, man. And well, that's one of my favorite things to do, I think, is to find people that I really am, am inspired by and try to see if I can um, become kind of like this, like you said, like this two-way street kind of conduit. I, I've done that every year at uh, NAB and, and, and actually conferences are a really great way to start these relationships off because you're meeting someone in person, you get to know them a little bit better than you do strictly by talking to them via Twitter or whatever. And you'd be surprised how one uh, night of, of drinks can really solidify a relationship to the point where you could end up calling them. Uh, I don't know why that was funny, Chris, but, uh, Maybe, maybe it's funny. I don't know. But like for me, like, okay, so case in point, um, what was it? Seagraph last year? Seagraph last year, I knew that Trevor Kerr was going to be a speaker and I I had admired his work and I thought he had a good eye and he seemed like a young up and coming talent. I wanted to meet him. So at Seagraph, I made an effort to meet him and we hit it off. And he's one of those people that I now talk to almost every day. Um, same thing goes with, uh, Sakani Solomon, uh, Brett Morris, like all these people that I've met at conferences, I make an effort to keep in touch with them and talk to them at least once a week. And it's not like a chore because I like these people and these are all people that can help me uh, answer a question or they might have a question for me and I can help them. And yeah, it's this awesome two way street that you really, if you don't have these people in your life, go to, go to half res number one. <laughs> Come to half res. Uh, hopefully you've already bought your ticket because uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's already sold out. Um, but go to a conference and, and meet people and hang out and, and, and just get involved and find those confidants and find those friends and really make an effort. It's so just, let me, let me bring, uh, cause Chris, I have a question for you. Cause I think you're all, you're uniquely good at this. Um, I, it, it is always, it, it is always funny that meeting people and being around them ends up being the answer to so many of these questions. Uh, so I don't want to discount that, but I think I'll, I'll, I'm trying to speak for maybe a few of our listeners that are, you know, not in a big city or they're out there, you know, really trying to learn online. Maybe they're not as social as they, they, they should be, but you know, maybe we could give them a couple tips on things that they could do that that's not necessarily going to NAB, which I which I still think is a great idea. Go to the conferences. Uh, I'm just trying to talk to that that next level person. Maybe they're just starting, and they're um they're they're looking to get better from their room, you know. Uh, and Chris, I think you're such a fast learner. I've seen you learn things in a weekend, um, like Unity and and uh, you know building your own drone and with 3D printing and all these other things I could list off. How do you approach 
learning so quickly um, these these more technical topics? How do you how do you go about that? Uh, that's a big question. Uh, I mean, one big thing is just diving in head first and just kind of obsessing over it for a little bit. Like you can't you, you can't get around just spending some time on something where. You know, if I get like even you know for you know normal work, like you're you know we're working on plugins and stuff, and then every once in a while something will just be so inspiring where it's like, no, I want to work on this all the time, and then I'm spending like 16 hours a day working on that. Like it, the amount of work you get done, but just by throwing a bunch of time at something can be incredible, especially if you're super duper into it. Um, and I, I've mentioned this before, but a big thing I do, and I think it's just super useful for like locking things into your brain. Like if you're a new piece of software or kind of just doing anything, it's just dive into the software and just start pushing buttons, click around, make a thing, see see if, you know, the most recent one for me was I was playing around with Substance Designer. So it's like, okay, let's open it up. Let's let's click some buttons. Like, okay, here's the nodes. Here's where this menu is. Here's where this is over here. There's the help file over there. I don't need that yet though. And just play around, click a bunch of buttons, see if I can make something happen. It's like, okay, cool. Now I've got some context. I know where some of the menus are. I know I was already able to create. You know, it's like, okay, I got a couple shaders to link, and I don't know how to output them, but they're linked, and it's kind of looking like something cool. But so now if I go and I look at the manual, or if I go and start watching some YouTube videos, I've got these anchor points that are giving me information. And it's not just a, it's not just like this tidal wave of information. They're anchored to very specific spots where it's like, oh, that's how I get that to output. And now I also want to go to this channel, so I'm going to like, no, now that works. So just diving in and tinkering before reading anything, I think is super useful. If you just sit down with a manual, like you go out in your deck and you sit down with a manual and you just start reading and you haven't touched the software, it's just it's just noise at that point. There's so much information that's not linking to anything. It's not going to do much for you. So diving in is super useful. And it, honestly, at that point, it just becomes like an iterative thing. Like you challenge yourself to make something specific. Uh, for me, I was like in substance, I was like, I want to try and make like a type of wood. So it's like, okay, like I, I did it without any looking up anything. It's like, okay, I, I got somewhere. And then I start watching some videos. I start looking at the manual. I look up very specific things. And I try again. I start from scratch and I make wood again. It's like, that one's actually working pretty well, but I know I can do better. And then I try again. And at that point, it's like, hey, Chad, take a look at this wood I put together. And Chad's like, like, well, like, it, you know, it's not super, it's kind of cartoony looking. It's like, well, that's probably true. I should probably start looking at reference. So that I was just making wood out of the top of my head. And I started looking at reference and I started like, and and like the fourth time I'm making this type of wood on this very one singular focused project is like, now I get it. Now I know these different pieces of software. Now I've got all these anchor points that are getting like a really good foundation and yeah, and so after you've iterated something a bunch of times, and maybe even that's super helpful to super focus on something specific, make it, make it again, make it a third time, make it a fourth time. It's like, okay, now I get it. And Preach. If, I were to, yeah, if, I were to, if I were to sit down and try and even stick in substance, if I were to make a sci-fi texture and be like, okay, well, it's not very good, but now I'm going to try and make a wood texture. I feel like I'm doing the same basic part over and over again. I will be learning. There, there are things I'm gaining from that, but to try to do the same thing over and over again and force yourself to make it better than the time before, you're getting deeper and you're you're answering more specific questions. And I feel like like making wood once and then twice and three or four times. Now, if I go and I try and make cobblestone, I am better off than if I had just dabbled and then dabbled and then dabbled. Like I've already gone deep on something, so now I know where to make the connections. So that's that's the way yeah. I tackle things. And and to take it a little bit back to the original question, if you were to get stuck, Chris, using the substance designer, if you were to get stuck, really stuck on something, like you're like, I want to change the color of the grout, and I can't figure that out, and I I looked it up, you know, where where how do you start breaking down a problem where you're just like you just feel stuck, like I, I, I where do I go from here? What are, what are the steps well, through that process? Um. Well, one is just like at that once you start getting the nitty gritty, that is when I start like just scrolling through every menu. Like, what what are these? Like, here's a menu I didn't click on. What's in here? Like, okay, I don't know. I don't know what those mean, but I've now seen that word. And I know where that is, and I just start getting really specific, looking at all the different parts. And then honestly, a certain part, 
like finding like a big thing to me is finding a good like it's almost always you jump on a YouTube and you're searching for tutorials. Finding like that person who explains things well is so key and it is not easy. There are a lot of really bad tutorials out there where they're not talking about the actual topic for 10 minutes and then they just say click this button, then click this button, then click this one. It's really hard to find somebody who like gets to the meat of it quickly and they're telling you why they're doing it. So find that person, find those educators that can actually explain to you why these things are happening. And then like even that, you want to use your time efficiently. When I jump into YouTube, like uh, if you guys don't know, if you're watching a YouTube video uh, on the keyboard, there's three shortcuts, J, K, and L. K is pause, that's in the middle. J jumps back 10 seconds and L jumps forward 10 seconds. If I'm watching a video, it's like, I already know this. I already know this. I already know this. I am hitting L going 10 seconds forward. It's like forward, 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 forward. Ooh, new information. Forward, forward, forward. I could sit there and watch uh, five 45 minute long videos, or I can be fast forwarding through it, spending five minutes in each of those videos, get those key little nuggets of information. Because no matter what, there's going to be a lot of repetition. Like if I'm making wood or for making cobblestone, tons of that information I already know, but there's a couple few things I don't. And I got to get through that information quickly and figure out even that's like fast forwarding until you're like, wait, how did he do that? Go back. Oh, now I've got it. Mm -hmm. And once again, I can't find that's, you know, I can't figure out how to get the grout working. I'm not going to find that question and that answer, but I'm going to be looking at videos of somebody who did something similar. And it's like, wait, how can I apply a that to my problem? And just keep skipping forward until I find that key part. That's, I mean, the, that's the way I tackle it. That's the skill right there. That ability to um, see your answer in a different question, I think, is a really important skill to, to, to learn. And it's not, like you said, like, that's how I am too. Like, if I'm looking for... If I'm looking for a very specific answer, I often don't find it in a very specific way. I find it through roundabout ways where somebody did something similar or maybe they touched on it or maybe, you know, uh, you get you get to that answer through a very non-direct kind of search. And and that's often how it works. And And a lot of times that's where you find the best answer is by coming at the problem from a different bunch of different angles and watching people do it. And then you see that one workflow tip that inspires you to think about how you were doing it in a completely different way. And I totally also agree with what you said about iterating. The more you do something, the, the more you'll learn, uh, uh, learn how to, how to do it better than the next time. And a lot of times that's how I am. I'll build something five times before I consider it to be good. And that's just because the first time I was just figuring it out and I didn't really know what I was doing. Second time I got a little bit better. Third time, okay, I'm kind of understanding this. And then on and on and on. But um, yeah, I really enjoyed what you just said there. I, I really, uh, I, I can relate to a lot of it. Um, it it's, it's another thing that I, I really recommend people do is not, don't search for answers that specifically Okay, let's say that you're looking for a like you're looking for an answer on, um, uh, I don't know. Let's just say get back to rigging a car or something. Don't just limit your your search to rigging a car in Cinema 4D because that's what you're using. I think it's a good idea to uh, initially. Obviously, you have to learn how to do it in Cinema 4D. Yes, but it's a good idea to open up your eyes to how other software uh, approaches things and how other artists approach things in in their software of choice because that's going to open up even more possibilities for you like when i um when i was using uh 3ds max before i'd even learned cinema 4d i was watching youtube videos for people using houdini uh maya cinema just to see how other people were solving problems in production and how they were approaching certain things. And it would inspire me like, oh, I wonder how I would do that in, uh, at that time I was using Max, I wonder how I would do that in Max. And I do that with renderers too. So I watch, I'm, I subscribe to maybe three or four YouTube channels for uh, people using Arnold and Octane and Redshift in different, completely different 3D packages. And I subscribe to these channels, not because I want to learn how they work in Houdini or whatever. It's because I want to watch someone else go through the same steps that I'm going through 
in a different application because I'm going to pick something up out of that. I'm going to learn from that and, and take a nugget like, oh, I never thought about approaching it that way. So I, I tell people like, don't limit your searches and, and your research to only the software that you use because then you're only seeing the world from one perspective. Even if you don't know Maya, you don't know Houdini, watch their videos, watch how they problem solve, watch how they attack an issue and it'll open up your mind as to how you might uh, approach the same problems in cinema. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's good advice, man. I, uh, I was reminded of a blog post I wrote. I'm going to look for it. I can't remember the name of it, but it was essentially called how to learn from tutorials uh, or, or something like tutorials aren't enough or I got to whatever I'll find, the, I'll find this thing, put it in the show notes. But essentially the idea is, um, the idea is this, if you only learn from a, t a tutorial, then, then you only know that one trick, right? Uh, I do agree with what Chris said, which is you got to find people that describe why they make this, the decisions they do. That's a lot of the reasons we're all here. We're, I've, I've always considered both of you guys good teachers that not just show you the buttons to click, but also why you're choosing these things and your thought process. I think that's a huge part of it. But ultimately, if you just learn a trick and then you get really good at following directions, you'll never really become an artist that gets paid to solve problems. Because if you can only solve problems that have already been solved, you're not as valuable as somebody that could look at a complex, unique design problem and solve it for a client. So what I recommend, and this this tends to work no matter where you are in your career, try to try to do a mashup. Try to take something you just learned and then apply it to something that you already know. And what I mean by that is you're gonna find you're gonna find things that break when that happens. And then you're gonna have to figure out how to solve that problem. And those problems will be unique to that project and not easily searchable, not easily found. But then you're gonna start to go down the path of, okay, well, I have uh, you know, here's an early, early case that I that it took me a while to figure out. Um, when I started learning dynamics in Cinema 4D, one of the things I always come across was concave uh, objects. And all of a sudden you would add uh, a dynamics tag to a concave object and it wouldn't act the way that I thought it would. Now I followed all the tutorials, which at the time was, there weren't many, um, to show me how to do dynamics, but nobody taught me that concave objects you have to use a, a different um, setting for in, in the dynamics. So that took a while, right? Like, so I had to I had to work through that process and try out different things and find relationships that I had and, and contact them and all these things that we talked about today. It took a while to figure out because there wasn't a bunch of <laughs> online training back then. The point of it though is I took something that I learned, which was dynamics, which the, the way that I learned it was just a floor and a bunch of objects. And then I tried to apply it to a bowl. I wanted to catch things in a bowl and I got stuck. And what that allowed me to do is reach out and start to find the answer to these things. And so that story works with, you know, something as simple as a concave object in cinema all the way to, like you said, Chad, rigging a car. Okay, well, not only can you go learn how to rig a car and other, other um, software, but you could also go learn how to rig um, other mechanical objects. You don't, you don't have to learn how to rig a car to rig a car. You could also go look and see how they rig up like a machine part or a robot arm in, in Chris's tutorial example and say, oh, okay, I get the concept now. I can apply that to the, uh, to the steering wheel or whatever, right? Um, so yeah, I, it, I, feel like it's, it, I feel like it's such a big subject. It's almost something we should revisit. But this idea of learning how to learn and understanding that there won't be, the better you get, the less likely that there will be a specific answer to your question. And just and just understanding that, um, the exciting part of that is that that's what you are getting paid for. <laughs> you are getting paid for it to solve problems that haven't been solved before. This is this is design, understanding your client, understanding what they want versus what's possible versus what how much time you have to do it, and taking all these things that only are unique to your project and being able to put out a final product that makes your client happy, that is on budget, that's on time, that does the things that you said you could do. And how do you get there? That's really ultimately what all this is about. Giving you the tools either directly 
right? Through training or indirectly through these podcasts, giving you the mental tools, the ways to think about these things so that next time you have a, a uh, next time you have a question, when you ask it, that it's the most likely that it will be answered and it will be answered properly. That's really what this is about. So learn those things early on in your career. Find the relationships that you can reach out to and, and have uh, a tighter relationship with. Um, go to conferences if you can. Go to events. Meet the people. And then learn how to ask good questions, not only to a robot like Google and YouTube, but also to people. So I don't know. That Wait, did, you say, did you say people or people? Well, definitely Beeple. Uh, let me give you a cell phone number. Uh, yeah. He's he's available at any <laughs> time. He's so cool. He'll take your call. Anytime. Yeah, yeah. He's got nothing going on. You know, this yeah. guy. Um, so, you know, just call it Beeple. <laughs> the hotline. 24-hour Beeple hotline. <laughs> maybe we maybe we do need a uh, the Grayscale Girl a hotline, like a red phone or something. Do you guys yeah, remember when you got stuck in video games that they would have a hotline? So I never called is, it, but I remember the number was always on the back of the case. Yeah, so that we, I've definitely called it. So my my dad and I got into um, King's Quest. Oh games. my god, I was going to say King's Quest as well. So we King's, never we never looked it up though. Yeah, yeah dude. Uh, let me tell you, we got stuck once. Uh, that that whale kept eating us. Oh and, my god, the whale! Are you talking about Rosella? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, this is cool. this is good. So the whale. Man, I tell you what, you, you had to swim out to an island in the middle of this game, and the whale at a certain point would come and eat you. Yep. And then, and then what? You had to like get out of there. And we always died. Whatever. We had to call, and and they, that was like a per minute thing. Like this yeah. is before the internet, right? Uh, maybe Prodigy was out, but there definitely wasn't like a playthrough video on King's Quest out this on like YouTube the at the time. We're talking. <laughs> yeah, this is late eighties. So, literally, you would call. And it was like whatever per minute. It wasn't a, even an 800 number. It was like a 900 number. It was like a per minute phone line. And they would go, where are you stuck? Here's how you do it. And we're like, okay, bye. And it would be a $3 charge on the, <laughs> on the phone. So there you go. There, That's um, that's one way to do it. Beeple, if you're out there, you know, get the hot I just, I just found a, a YouTube clip showing you how to beat uh, Rosella the whale. See, now, now. Yeah, see, <laughs> that's <laughs> We just we just spent hours and hours and hours and hours figuring out the exact pattern to climb up the tongue. Oh, this is great. <laughs> I'm gonna share this with you guys. Oh, but no, dude. but see, even this, this I feel like this even is even talking to our approach. And this is like I was raised playing King's Quest games where you have to figure it out yourself. Like we are going, we are not looking in the manual. We are a don't look in the manual family. Like when I try and build like an office chair or Ikea furniture, you try and do it without looking at the instructions. Oh my God. I'm not, I'm not that person. Until, Dude, until that you, is bonkers. Do not listen to him. Children. Yeah, that's the wrong way. Children read the no, manual. No, no, no. Don't look at the instructions until you absolutely have to, because oh other, until then you're, you're using problem solving skills. You're hurting America. Yeah, you're, you're, you're hurting America. <laughs> that's the worst uh, idea. Do you no, never, that, we're talking about dynamic, for- critical thinking here. Before uh, before Google Maps, were you the person that would never ask for directions to? Mm. I, I, I w- that w- there was not much overlap there, so I, I probably would have been a don't ask. My dad doesn't ask for directions. Yeah, but but what I'm saying is like I it's the same way I learned the software. Like I dive in, I try and do as much as I can, and when I hit a wall, now it's time to look it up. But until then, I'm exercising my brain to make it work. Well, let's just all take a moment to recognize that Chris is a unique individual with (laughs) uh, absolute um, conviction when it comes to this sort of thing. And it's not recommended for everybody. (laughs) I I recommend it to everybody. For for general consumption. Yeah, it's not. Unless you are, uh, you look in the mirror and you see someone that looks like Chris, don't don't do this. We got to put this in the show notes because King's Quest... For, the, for those of you who are out there oh, saying, oh, I remember King's Quest, you could you could go on a little trip with us. And for those of you that may be younger that are like, what are these old guys talking about? You could go see what video games look like in the late 80s. And, oh my gosh, this video is amazing. All right, we, we got wrapped up because we're always, always already over an hour. But Nick, have you ever gone to the Homestar Runner when they made a King's Quest parody full game in Flash? No way. It's okay. so good. I, I'm going to put a link to that here if it can even be directly linked because that's an old Flash site, but you have got to play it. Dang. But anyway, now we're getting it's off the list. No, this is good. Wrap up time. I'm sweating just watching her climb up this tongue right now. <laughs> oh my gosh, falling over and over and over and over again. 
Oh, okay. We should wrap up. Um, Chad, should I? Should you? Should Chris? What? What? What do you? Who's? Who's? who's uh, take us out. Why don't you take us out? All right. You got the. You got the. The. The button though, right? Yep. I'm. I'm. I'm on you. All right. I'm feeling good anyway, guys. Thanks as always. That was. Um. That was a fun topic. If you guys have any questions, any topics you want us to discuss and yell at each other about, uh, please put it in the comments in uh, YouTube. We also uh, check out our blog, and of course, if you're uh, not subscribed over on iTunes, you want to listen to this while you're walking the dog, while you're doing dishes, uh, go over to iTunes and leave us a review and subscribe over there as well. As Google always, Play. say what? Google Play too. Oh yeah, that's right. We're on Google Play as well. Um, so make sure you're in there. So, and we probably don't have as many reviews since we just uh, put that up. So if you're if you're if you're like, whoa, you're on Google Play, that's awesome. Take that energy, go over there, give us uh, give us a couple stars, maybe five. It's up to you. We'll take any any you give. Um, thanks as always for listening. And uh, again, check out last uh, week's podcast where we talked about salary negotiation and and trying to get your your. Uh, your your first salary specifically up a little bit higher when you when you get your first job and um what else and the sale hope to see you tomorrow at the sale anyway thanks as always for listening thank you uh uh chad and chris for uh joining and i will see you in another podcast really soon bye everybody bye, bye.